RadioInfluence.com. Ah, welcome to another edition of the Rock Stops here. No BS. I bring on A-listers. They're A-listers in my mind in the world of sports and entertainment. And it's not always who you see on the camera. What about behind the camera? That's what we're going to learn today. The career of one George Albright. He is a sports and news videographer on the national level. He's worked locally. He's been working for ESPN and NFL Network and uh, CNN and news and sports outlets covering the big, big, big stories. He does Super Bowls. He does NBA. He was inside the NBA bubble at Disney. What that experience was like. Uh, World Series, playoffs. He worked uh, NASCAR coverage for ESPN for years with Marty Smith and and that crew and Daytona 500. But what it's like behind the scenes. What is it like? What is it like? Is it as exciting? How did he get there? How did he make it to the top and is still at the top? So without further ado, and then I'll hit you on the back end. Uh, this is a longer interview, but it's it's very interesting. You know, how did he make it? Here he is. I was at his beautiful home, sat down at his table, George Albright. All right, George Albright, is it like videographer to the stars? Is it photographer to the stars? What would be the proper way to introduce you, George Albright? Um, I actually jokingly call myself a glorified Sherpa because I feel like I push around a lot of TV equipment. I'm usually pushing sandbags and cameras and lighting so i jokingly call that but uh, some say photojournalist yeah but it is a video realm so videographer is is, is what i tend to tend to call myself you know that is i'm glad you're you're bringing that up now we'll start obviously how you got in here how you got to where you are and all that jazz but it's so funny a lot what fans sports fans don't see and i bet you it's 75 percent is lugging and sweating and carrying and dealing with security and you can't be here and there and all that. There's just so much that the public does not see. They think it's just, whoa, it is a great job, but whoa, right, George? Yeah, especially the last couple of years because what you were used to doing, you couldn't do anymore. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of my biggest concerns, Rock, is where am I going to park? <laughs> because... Inevitably, you forget something or you need something extra and you got to go to the van. If it's a half mile on the street, that's not good because the clock's always ticking, as you know, in TV. So uh, there's a lot of logistics. Usually the producer handles a lot of that, getting the credentials and all that. But now you got to get a COVID test. So you have to make sure you go before camp and at Bucks require a COVID test. So there's a lot of stuff like that filling out, especially, you know, the Super Bowl was here. Guys had to go get tested even before they worked on their days off. So that was definitely an addition besides the, where am I parking? Where do I go? Oh, there's no elevator. The elevator, you know, it's it's all that stuff. So it, it, usually it goes smoothly when you're familiar with the, the venue, but uh, it can be, it can be tricky. No doubt. Now, not too much detail, but when, when did you know that you were going to be a sports videographer 
Did you start out? I, you even started like in this business in high school, yeah. kind of, George. Yeah. That's, did, you, did you know? What, what did you want to do at that time, and how did it start? Um, to paint a picture, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, and I graduated high school in 1986. That gives you a rough idea of my age. Um, we had a studio back then, which was very rare at my, at my high school. That was very rare. And I was, I was interested in TV growing up, like even before I went to high school, I, it was something about watching the news I liked. I didn't want to be like the next on air star like Rock Riley, but I just wanted to, I, I liked the, the TV end of it behind the scenes. And I got into it, uh, in high school. I like what's called ENG, electronic news gathering. That's where you take the camera, you go out in the field. I didn't like being in the studio on a camera. I didn't really want to run a camera for a live broadcast like they do at the Rays games. I like going out and just doing different things. So uh, my high school, again, had that facility, which was very rare back then because now everybody has a laptop and you can edit and whatnot. Then I went to school. And uh, I was ahead of everybody, which was kind of funny because I knew how to shoot and edit, not bragging, just I had that uh, advantage, uh, luckily. And uh, when you get out of college, uh, I went to Kutztown University outside of Philadelphia. You're not going to show up in the fourth largest TV market at the time with a resume tape to say, hey, hire me. Right. So uh, I moved down to Florida and I worked at what was called Vision Cable Channel 9 which I guess has morphed into Bay News 9 or Bright right, House. And and Cat. Yeah, and, and I worked with people like Todd Callis and just, uh, you know, who people know from the Rays days and now he's with the Astros. And uh, just, you know, it was a lot of people out of college. It was a way to shoot your blue video and your bad audio. You know, you're still learning, getting that experience. Uh, and then I went up leaving there. I was at an editor at Channel 10, worked news at 44, and then uh, I went back to Channel 10 as a news photographer. And one day Al Keck approached me and he knew I'd done some sports. And he said, do you want to be a sports photographer? And said, I said, absolutely. Because uh, I always really looked up to Channel 10 and some of the other locals. Did, Which doing is really a good stuff. CBS affiliate here yes. in the Tampa Bay area. Yes. Hold it right up about here so I can know your, your hand. Oh. So that, beautiful, because I didn't want to have anything. Yeah. It might, uh, um so you were in local TV for quite a while, weren't you, George? I mean, I known you as being the freelancer with yeah. all that, you know, ESPN and NFL Network and CNN and all this. But how long were you there? I was at WTSP for 10 years. Okay, there you mainly go. Mainly in decade. sports. I did news, but mainly sports. Right, right. And that was in its heyday. That was Florida, Florida State. <laughs> I, I did nine straight after the choke of the doke. And it was it was amazing. Just being there, it's, you know, one versus four, two versus five, one versus two. So uh, I, I was there 10 years. And then I decided uh, I had a springboard of spring training uh, with WCBS, which is Channel 2 in New York, uh -huh. to do their spring training stuff on the side. Like I would take a vacation and work for them. And the second time around, I, I talked to my wife at the time and said, I, I want to I do this as a freelancer. And I went out on my own and... and Gave my notice and and did have, you have a have son at back. the time yet or I didn't, no? Uh, I you made decided to do did, that. Did not have a son at the okay. time. I had to think okay. my timeline there. Uh -huh. No, I did not have a son at the uh -huh. time. Uh huh. All right, so that was just that was a that was a step. Like you know what? Because you had you were real good. Everybody liked you. You had the local scene. Da, 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 da. You were ahead of the game because you see how it's changed. Not many people watch for sports news on the local news. They give them a minute, 20, 30, and wow, you were, you were a, you know, ahead of the game, George. Okay, so you make that move as a freelancer. 
did it start out? Were you were you on top like with ESPN and all everything right away? Or no, no? I, uh, I had a, a Sebring convertible and I had to put the top down to put my light kit in the back seat. Really? See, <laughs> and you know it's like anything. You start out, you you get the basic stuff you need equipment wise. That's the thing. You got to have the equipment. Uh, that's where you can earn more. I mean, it costs more to get started, but it's like you own the restaurant. You know, it's like you you're you know. So that's. That's the stepping stone of trying to develop and getting the equipment and getting the clients and going from there. But, you know, like anything, you start out small and you get bigger and then the vehicle gets bigger and you get more gear. And now I have a van. So Isn't you just keep something. getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I, I, one thing I never I didn't want to be that photographer that I didn't want to have like an office and people working for me. And right. I just kind of want to have a good lifestyle of, Hey, I cover this. I'm, I work a few days. I'm off a few. I didn't want it to be a nine to five job in this field, which is right. Just, just it was kind of a choice. Uh, I admire people that have those businesses where they have a graphics designer and and they have all these editors and stuff. But I just kind of want to be my own and go out and uh, you know do it that way or do the camera work and hire guys for to work with me like audio. All right. So now, uh, how did you get to uh, with uh, ESPN? Uh, and NFL Network. Those are the, the big, especially ESPN. You seem to work for them a lot. Was it one of these things where you did a couple things, they like what you do, and then they just call you back? Is that how it works? Yeah. Did you do a good job? Yeah. I, I, I had very fortunate uh, working for some other people that have moved on uh, and some openings came available. Those guys got older, retired, or moved or whatever. So uh, a, a big stepping stone for me was I was doing NASCAR uh, working for somebody and then uh, he left so they asked if I want to take over and we had three guys uh, that would do the rotation of two each weekend so I was doing 25 NASCAR races a, a year it was that That's that was my right. golden I remember that it was right. constantly doing NASCAR Marty and all them yeah and Marty Smith was new, and everything yeah. I see yeah and, and that's how I really really got solidified I'd say with them and then when it wasn't NASCAR and or when they lost the right, they didn't carry on the rights to NASCAR, then they would hire me for bucks and this and that. Got and again, it. some people moved on uh, and, and that, that just, you know, it's like anything. You get an opportunity, the door opens and, and you know, you, you take it. So I've always I've always been told though the NASCAR people the, those that run it those that are on the teams and they're they're they're, they're pretty good people right are they good to work with or it, what it is it has become so big business though what do you think it's it's a family it really is um, not just my little group of you know producers and reporters and photographers but but the crews it, it's really amazing what these guys do and give up in their own personal lives I mean they're 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 at the garage all week then they're at the track all week and. Uh, a lot of everybody knows everybody. It's it's quite an amazing. It's it's a family, yet it's almost like a circus too, because you go to the TV compound, and there's just twenty, thirty big trucks, you know, for replay, and guys run what's called the RoboCam, where they're operating the camera in a truck because the camera itself is in a position that they physically can't be. It's too dangerous, so they they run their camera robotically, you know, from in there. Uh, and all these trucks are out there and those guys work every week. You know, they're, they do all the races, 36 races. And then that, that to me would be a little much because some guys, they would, they would, uh, my schedule was Thursday to Monday with the travel. Some guys, they would be there Tuesday, travel home Monday and do their laundry and go right back to the travel to the next track on Tuesday. Meanwhile, the truck, meanwhile, the TV compounds being driven across the country. 
See that so, these are the things that the fans don't see, like yeah. the travel. All it is, all they'll do is see the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. They may see some interviews during the week. That's another factor with your gig. Like when yeah. you're at a local station, all right, you're going to cover the local teams, you come yeah. back at night. But with you, big time, they call. I can see you're over sometimes like across the state doing a spring training. And then CNN calls you. There's a big news story in the middle of the state. Then you're doing the Jacksonville Jaguars or you might be in Atlanta. Yep, It's a lot. And it's and it's fast. Right? When you get the call, you you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had I believe, you know, the, you had the Parkland shooting uh, and I was doing a sporting event at the time. Uh, and then sometimes you try to wrangle other guys, you know, I'm always only as strong as my, the guys around me, you know, I, I, I would send them to cover something, you know, uh, when, um, there, there, they had the one, when Ryan Newman flipped his car and he was upside down and went to the hospital and we didn't know what was going to happen. Yes. I was supposed to be a baseball in West Palm. And I called a guy and said, you got to go to West. I have to stay here. And it's like, try, it, it gets, it gets monotonous a little bit, trying to coordinate where you're going, what you're doing, getting a hotel, uh, you know. Because Florida is, again, you mentioned spring training. Arizona, everything's within 45 minutes. Here it's like, right. oh, I, I got to cover the Mets. That's two, three hours drive. Right. Then where, where am I? I'm back up in Tampa. So right. you drive up at night and all that. So uh, it's best if you can travel with your equipment, obviously, like in the van instead of flying. Because That's that, a whole different that thing, is right? a whole different thing. Yeah. And luckily, I haven't had to do, deal with that too much. When I, when I did the NASCAR beat, our gear was on the truck. I would just bring my camera home. So, so it wasn't having to take lights and all that stuff. So it made it a little bit easier. So we would just uh, share the basic equipment of tripods and then the guys would bring their own cameras. I, I hope I hope I painted that picture. No, that's me. good. Now, okay, we're talking about you getting the job done, making sure it's got to be right with like the producers. Mm -hmm. And at the level that you're at, there's not much room for error, right? Like if you screw up once and if you do it, maybe again, you look, I'm sure there's been mistakes, but at your level, George, and being like the freelancer that, you know, what about that? It, it, it can be a little, uh, you can, it can make you a little nervous that you're only as good as your last freelance job. And like you said, if you keep screwing up, <laughs> they're going to call somebody else. Right. But uh, you, you know, when you're, things do happen. And I think a big thing in life with anybody mistakes happen. And as long as you own up to that, you know, I mean, some, I, I mean, one time the battery died on the unit that was broadcasting two minutes before the air, it was my fault. And luckily we got it and got on the air, you know, things do happen and just own it. Don't point to fingers when it was your fault. You know, things, things do happen. I so, see. but it, it can be a little, you know, cause you're going out to a lot of people on ESPN. I was going to say, yeah, like uh, you're live at for sports center yes, or for yes. or something huge. I mean, yes. Oh my God. George. Yeah. Live on sports center. And then if you're having technical issues and it can be, it, it can be nerve wracking. And I always tell the talent, uh, especially with somebody I'm not used to working with that. Don't worry about what's going on back here. Just worry about what you got to say. Cause sometimes they're like, do this, do that. And you're like, you're just in a light or the silk, the sun comes out. You're throwing up a silk real quick because the sun came out and it's blasting them. So, uh, you just try to, you know, be ahead of the game and make sure you do, you know, you have backup plans, you know, now dealing with people, whether it be producers mm -hmm. or they call it talent in the business, the reporter, the host, the anchor, whoever you're dealing with in the field. You don't have to give me names. I'm right. sure there's some that are favorites. Yeah. There's others that like, oh, I got to work with them and you got to get the job done. What about that? Yeah. I, I think my biggest thing is when 
somebody that's on air or a producer, they don't acknowledge you. <laughs> you know, it's like you work with them all day and they get up and just leave. And then that's a little, it's like, look, they don't have to bow to my feet and none of that, but it's just like a, Hey, great work with you. Yeah. You too. See you next, you know, it's like, they don't even acknowledge you're in the room and that, that could be a little, you know, like, like any business, I'm sure you, you, right. you don't have to be praised right. but just as a human, just general human interaction. Like, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. Hey, uh, you know, you don't have to ask about my family or anything, but just acknowledge them in the room is one of those. You know, Would things. you say the majority of on-air talent that you deal with at the network level, the majority are pretty good? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I would say they're phenomenal. And not only that, uh, everybody pretty much is who they are on air. You know, you had mentioned Marty Smith. He is who he is. You know, and uh, I love Ryan, Ryan McGee. They work together, and they—that's who they are. You know, that—that—that's their personality. Marty and McGee. Yeah, yeah Marty. They and really McGee are like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kirchin is great, yes. right? Yeah. That. But but that's one thing I I would say is it's not like the light goes on and they're, you're like, who is this person? That they they are pretty much who they are. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. I've always told everybody asks me, and I say when I meet people that like a Michael Jordan or. And then some oh, that documentary, he was in, he was in, a he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, he wasn't there. But usually the ones that are at the top and have been at the top a long time, they're usually good people. They're not jerks. You know what I mean? There yeah. are some jerks that can That's make true. it to the top. Don't you, do you, yeah, because they're not going to, people aren't going to want to work with them. You're going to have producers that aren't going to work with them. Directors aren't going to want to work with them. No, how to, no matter how big they are, right? it's going to eventually come back. Where, hmm, why do we want to work with this guy? He's nothing but trouble, even though he's a big name. Let's, you know. Right. So. Just be a good person. Yeah, exactly. Now, last, during the pandemic, you were contracted to work inside that NBA bubble at Disney. Uh, some of the play, the NBA did a great Phenomenal. job. Phenomenal. What it's was that experience like? And does it get to you? Because I followed you and I, yeah. and I know on your social media, you did a time lapse and yeah, being, I walked you in the changed. hotel. I'd walked three miles in my hotel room when I was on the court. Oh team. my God. Cause you really had to really had to stay in there yeah. for a while. Right. Yeah. The, the way it worked, uh, I was very fortunate for ESPN because I was the only uh, for the sports center shows, not, not the broadcast, the, the, the truck shoots. Right. I was the only freelancer they brought in. It was always producers that they brought in producers that also shot video. So I was brought in, I would say the middle tier, uh, August 8th to September 9th. I was there like 33 days. And that was when the playoffs were established because they had the pre playoffs and they had the playoffs and they had like the finals. Yes. I left before the conference finals and finals. So I was brought in to the Ritz, which is nice. And I had to stay there two days. You could not leave your room. Originally, the first wave, they said you couldn't leave at all. But here I could leave my room just to go down down and get tested. Leave, get tested, boom. A knock would come on the door. There's your food on the tray on the floor. And uh, that was a couple days. And they transferred to the Coronado, the Disney Coronado. And I was, I think I was a total of seven, seven full days where I couldn't leave my room except to go get a test and walk back. And they would just bring you food and they bring you a ton of food, <laughs> a ton of food rock. I brought stuff in myself, but I didn't need food. But is that why you were walking just to yeah, stay? Yeah, I had a treadmill delivered and the mail person's like, you know, you had a treadmill delivered. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you need to like, you know, so, 
So I got the treadmill and I, I would walk every day. The lightning were in there. You know, I was watching the lightning and the rays and stuff or whatever, whatever's on. But is that strange, George, when you've never had to like, well, you would think, oh, you're yeah. staying at a nice hotel. It, it, They're bringing you yeah, your food. Oh, come yeah. on. You got your TVs. It must be really good. But it's after some days. Yeah, it can be a little nutty because obviously you miss your family. And but it, believe it or not, Rock, it went fairly fast. I was really surprised. Okay. You, you know, you're, you're catching up on some emails. You're going through some photos. You're deleting and you're like, you know, that stuff. Or I think I I was editing some stuff on the side that I like, you know, family videos and stuff. I see. So, uh, yeah. So you do that first week and then it's like, you're, you're welcome to the club. You know, you get out now you're part of the, in the bubble, the formerly in the bubble. So say, would you see players around and other, like what was that? The All right. The players were in the big hotel. They were a little bit away. Okay. We would see them in, in common eating eateries, which was pretty wide. You're sitting there like, Oh, there's LeBron James just walking by, you know, because again, we've all seen athletes were in that, but to see them just casually in flip flops, you know, coming or, you know, not that they were right. drinking, but, you know, right. going to the bar, they're sitting there eating and you're like, yeah. oh, it's kind of cool, you know, because you were just hanging out with them, kind of hanging out, you know what I mean? Right. But, uh, you know, some, you know, there's a, uh, uh the Greek freak walking by and they, or you see them together. This is kind of yeah. funny to see the casual. <laughs> so, uh, but the bubble itself, Rock, I, I think, the way I would describe it would be almost like being at college without the crazy antics. So uh, like my day, I'd wake up, maybe go for a walk and I'd have a live shot with Malika uh, Andrews on a, on a get up. So I would be in my running thing, sweaty. I would just set up at the hotel. We do a live shot. So that would be like my morning class. Let's just say I said I'd go back, shower, grab a late breakfast, which they, you know, they provided. And then, okay, my next quote unquote class would be, practice with the bucks at noon. So you go there, you get the interviews, you shoot some B-roll to practice. Uh, okay. That's my second class. Now I'm off for a little bit. My next class is at night where I got to get the shuttle to go to the arena to cover the night game. So it was I almost see. like being in college where you had two campuses where the dorms were and some practice. And then you had the main campus where the games were. And, you know, you were shuttled around by the bus, the buses. You had to just get on the bus with your equipment, sit down, masks, and get uh, dropped off at the arena. And then you, you I was uh, a, a certain tier. So you would see other people, but they were outside the bubble right there. I'd be like, hey, buddy, but I couldn't go out, couldn't cross that fence, so to speak. Wow. And then we'd get to go in a different door because uh, we were in more where the, you know, the players were close to the players. Wow. So, wow. What an experience. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It really now, was. Now, I saw that you you posted or your, your Vicky, whoever it was, that they pulled no, you pulled the prank on them when you, they I, didn't yes. know you were finally released from the bubble. Tell that story, yes, George. Yes, yes. Uh, you mentioned my wife, Vicky. So yes. I had set up with my mom and dad and uh, my wife, Vicky, that I was good. I had a, a downtime to do a Zoom call that, you know, because I hadn't talked to them. I mean, I did, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I had actually gotten released from the bubble a little early. I was supposed to be there an extra week, but because of the, the, the way that it worked, they brought in staff and I, and I was leaving. So I turned my phone off so my wife couldn't track my phone nice. by chance. Nice. Drove home, rental car, all that. I parked right across the street from my house and I was up against just the wall. And I acted <laughs> as if I was outside the arena Awesome. talking to them. Then I acted like the security guard was yelling at me to move. And I started walking towards and showing the house in the background. And it was kind of funny because nobody picked up on it. They thought w with me working in TV, I did some fancy effect. So they're like, how's your day going? I'm like, 
I can't believe you guys are not realizing where I'm at. And finally, she realized that I was outside and came running out. My mom well, and dad were like, mom oh and dad God. were here too, they, right? They were, they were in a, oh. about three miles away at their house. Oh, so they okay. realized they realized I was home. That and was I, awesome, I'm big man. on doing surprises. I know so. you are. Yeah, I so. know you are. You're big on yeah. Halloween and what you do. Yeah. I know you yeah. are, George. What are some of the biggest, uh, like the most fun or most that stand out to you Uh Either stories or experiences. I told George. you I had some funny stories. Please, I, I, please. I got a short one with Spurrier. Uh, obviously, Steve Spurrier is a legend in this state. Oh, and, ball, uh, yeah. And uh, I was, you know, you know, Rocky probably did it where they'd be at a golf outing. So you'd follow them around a couple holes. And then when he had some downtime, you ask him about the game coming up or whatever or the charity. Right. So anyway, I am, if you can imagine, he's teeing off and I'm facing him, you know, so he's going to swing and I'm going to pan up to his. Uh, <laughs> to his uh to his face so you know he swings and and he goes can't hit much better than that boys <laughs> and he you know and he walks away and that was the shot i got and dave worth who worked at uh wtsp here in tampa is a great sports guy great great friend he goes did you see where he hit it i go no i was i was aiming at it. he goes he went so far right. He went over the house as he sliced it. But yeah, it hit it much but, better than but that he knew, But he just knew. He knew the cameras on him. It didn't matter where the ball went. <laughs> so, so that was his. You know, he was just. He just knew. He just knew. Awesome. Like he's got a shot of me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna frown that I hit a bad shot. Uh, so yeah, that was a Spurs story. But uh, a recent one um, was uh, obviously he's a Buccaneer now. Is Antonio Brown. So I was at the Super Bowl, the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl, and I was uh, working with Josina Anderson. She had set up the interview. Remember, he, he I believe at the time he was still suspended. I, I might have my. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is during so, the controversy so, time. Yeah, okay. Con- yeah, 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 yeah. So, so she got an interview with him. He was down there. So we go to his gym and it was like he was out with Terrell Owens and Ocho Cinco. I mean, what, what a grouping that is. They were some soccer thing or something. So we're waiting. It's pouring rain. He shows up like Batman in his black, I'll say sports car, so it's not identifiable, Uh, but it's a very, it's a high-end sports car, literally like Batman. And we have to set this two-camera interview in his gym. That's, it's kind of like a little mini football field. I've seen it. He's got it. Yeah. It's like he's got the AstroTurf. Oh, so that's his. Yeah. It's down like the Fort Lauderdale area. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we were waiting for hours in the rain for him to get done and, and not to complain he he was just hey he was doing something and when he got done he was going to do the interview so it's like 11 o'clock at night we go in and it is like from a movie like entourage he must have had 15 kids like you know young 20 year olds running around they're doing instagram yo espn the music could not have been any louder they're throwing the football around over the lights i'm i'm sweating because i got to set up this exclusive interview and my audio guy ryan Seabold, bless his heart he he he'd come up and i'd scream in his ear set this like he knew what to do but he's like what else what else needs to be done i'm like yeah yeah, we're screaming at each other and you're sweating here and i had two producers and we sat down and then trying to get them to be quiet during the interview but it was it was nuts. It was nuts. These guys are running around like it's a big party, and I'm I'm sweating trying to get this interview set up in ten minutes. Normally, it'd have an hour and a half to set up, and uh, he sat down and did the interview. And wow, and, and that was and then, exclusive. And then my heart started yeah, yeah. beating again. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The then you can relax. Then, then you can like, relax oh. a little bit. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It, it, it's almost under. It, just imagine a scene from a movie, which is wild. People run around and throwing footballs. And, I can I can I can picture it, so, man. I do follow him on Instagram. 
What? Oh, here's the other thing. Before and I want more stories. So how do you get that back? Uh, it used to be in the old days, George. Like, oh my uh, God, I actually used to send out or I'd have to go to a facility where yep. they would upload it and go into a master control. That's how it used to be. You send it through a unit? Do you, yes. Is it all on the, how does that work? Well, that, you know, you, you got to make sure you get you it had sent. The, you had the satellite trucks yes. back in the day. Yes. So they were huge. Uh, some got smaller van size, but for the most part, you had to have the satellite truck running the cables all the way up to like at Yankees, the complex down here in Tampa or wherever. But now you have these things that are called live views or TV views or the, or the brand names and they work off cell phones. So it's, I actually own one myself cause you kind of have to have it now. Uh, or ESPN will give me one, uh, you know, when I cover bucks or whatever, it's, it's amazing. It, they'll have these, I guess they're called dongles where it's T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, and you hit a button and it's somehow, I mean, this is getting a little technical for me. Yeah. You can use Wi-Fi and uh, Ethernet as well. Yeah. It somehow makes that HD video be able to be sent through the, the cell towers to a receiver up in Bristol, Connecticut for ESPN. And that's wow. how you do your live shots now. Wow. So you can take it anywhere. We could we could be doing a live broadcast right now. Just turn right. it on, plug a camera right. in, and then you have to coordinate with somebody. But it, the days of satellite trucks are... yeah. Pretty, pretty. Is pretty there bright. ever a problem? Uh, does it happen often where, because uh, you're relying on a cell phone tower. So yeah, especially at news events where you may be in the middle of nowhere in a field somewhere oh. and it can be tough or everybody's got their live view units or, you know, everybody's trying to pull the same thing, oh. but it's, it's gotten better. You know, as technology has gotten better, the more towers, better towers. I, I, again, the 5G thing, I don't know how that plays with the units that are a couple years old, but uh, it, it, it is truly amazing because it makes our life a lot easier because you can go live anywhere. You can carry the right. Tom Brady presser right there. You don't have to like pull cables 300 feet, uh, which, which the satellite truck guys would do. But uh, you know, it, the logistics are running cables at a stadium up and over and Remember hiding that, them. George. Remember that you just <laughs> right next to at your feet. You got, you got a satellite truck at your feet. It's, it's truly amazing. It's going to be crazy to see where it goes from here. Wow. What other things, if you look back on your career, which is still going strong, George, any other good uh, moments, uh, stories you can think of, George? Mm. What well, well I got any kind of a, I don't want to say a bad one, because uh, it was just a misunderstanding. Um, we, my, my assignment the one day, it, it, it's hard to, when you're at Raymond James Stadium, this is pre-COVID, to get the bucket, you would get the Buccaneers arriving like Evans or Jamison these days. And, or you'd get the visiting team, depending on what, to try to get both was challenging sometimes. So anyway, I had already, Jameis had already come in, come in and Mike Evans and I hear the sirens. So I know the saints are arriving. So I kind of run down the sirens hall. are from the, the, their the, bus the, team bus. Yes. Okay. To get, yes. The sirens for, yeah, the, the, the escort. So I come down the hallway and there's Sean Payton. So I start backing up with, that's the coach of the saints. I'm sure most people would know. Yeah. So I start backing up with, backing up with him back backpedaling as yes. I thought it. And I hear, no, 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 no. So I thought, oh, so I, I didn't even know where, who said it. I just heard, no, no, no. So I thought, oh, coach just doesn't want me to get him. So I go, there's Breeze. Oh, there's Breeze right behind him. I backpedal and the PR guy comes on. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just getting them like arrive it. And coach Peyton, I can't say what he said. He comes around the camera and says, you know what the blank you were doing. He got really mad at me. He thought, I was going against their rules, but I didn't know their rules. They don't like you to backpedal. 
But I didn't know that. How I wasn't, would I wasn't you know trying that? to be a jerk. Right. They're on our stadium. I'm not the New Orleans media. Right. So a coach was really mad at me because he thought I didn't listen to the PR guy the first time and I went to Breeze, but I just thought he meant it happened so fast. The Is players it, are walking. That, you got to have a thick and, skin, And he man, was really mad tough. at me. So a kind of word got back to, you know, ESPN that, you know, I had, it was just a mistake. And, and, and I have now become kind of friends with the PR guy because really? anytime I'm going to show that, I'm like, tell me where to stand. Uh, we need to get, you know, and any, we, we agree on where I can stand to get them arrived. Isn't but that I just, something? I was just, I was in the right place, yeah. but really it wasn't the right place for their for their uh, protocol, the way they like to handle things. So it kind of shook you, right? Yeah, and it made me look like I was being a jerk, but I wasn't. I was just trying to do my job. I didn't realize you didn't want that. I would have stopped and just, you know. Oh my God. Oh my God. Anything else uh, standing out? You've done World Series. You've done, uh, you've done Super Bowls. You've done all the big, big, big events. Is there anything more? Super Bowls aren't, as glamorous as you would think. <laughs> how, how so, Joy? Well, we all think well, you're so lucky, I, the, man. The last one I did was the Chief, for ESPN was for the, the Chiefs Niners. And really, you just stay in the one spot. You can't move. This is before COVID. So, and uh, all, of course, all the plays happen at the other end. I'm shooting, you know, one yard touchdown plunge from 130 yards away. <laughs> but the, it's not as glamorous as you think. Because it's, cra- it's crazy. You know, when you have carte blanche to move around and be in the where you're like, I need to be here for this play or or whatever, you're just stuck where you're at. And 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 that can be a little tough. And you know, you got still guys in front of you, they're kneeling, you're standing, and it uh it, it's not as great as you would think. Or you're not on the sidelines, you're not you're not watching it in the stadium. You're in like some room watching on TV with, you know, tables with black tablecloths. So I'm sure I'm sure you've seen that. You're sitting on hard plastic chairs trying to find something to drink. <laughs> And everybody, you hear you hear the crowd. And you're like, oh, I guess something happened, and you see it seven seconds later. So it's it's not that part is not as glamorous as you think. You're basically in the bowels of the stadium watching the Super Bowl. They're like, but you were there. I'm like, yeah, but I'd rather be home having a cold one, right? You know, instead of instead of right. you know, in the bowels of a stadium, you know. Now here's another thing. I just I'm just thinking this now. Like again, you are your own company. Mm-hmm. You are contracted to do this day, this event. What happens when you're sick? You can't. Call. I'm sure there's been days where you've had yeah. to suck it up. I mean, prior to the now the COVID, right? Now you're sick, you do, and you got to get the test. But what about that, George? Yeah, I, I got some guys that I would lean on, but uh, fortunately, you know, fortunately, uh, we talked God. off before yeah, yeah, about yeah, health yeah. issues. You know, sometimes yeah. you know you hope that knock on wood that, but uh, it, you know, I, again, I have guys that I can call on that can I fill see. in as as long as they're available because they they're not exclusive to. Albright Productions, you know, so, so, uh, fortunately I haven't had that much of an issue being sick. I mean, yeah, I was doing NASCAR once and I was just really sick and I just didn't go that day. Uh Uh, and they just did it with the one camera guy. So things do, things do happen. And again, you know, it's, I'm behind the camera, so I don't have to look. You know, right, I, don't right, to, right. I don't have to be made right. up where you right. can tell the person's right. on air is sick, is right. coughing. I can sometimes get by uh, and, and, and still do the job. I, again, there's extreme examples where you just, I had the flu once for WCBS. And I'm like, I, I can't. I, I was awful. And I had a guy fill in for me for like two, three days. That was when I first started freelancing too. And of course <laughs> I had, uh, I was busted on a little bit by the producer. Like, oh yeah, nice, nice <laughs> to make an effort to show to work. But it, I would have made them sick. So you're a good man. Yeah. Is there any difference between doing a really like sad, tragic news story when you get there? Like I said, 
the mm. Parkland shooting yeah. compared to sports? Or do you just have to make sure you do your job yeah. and it is the same? Is there would, a difference, well, I, George? I, to, to be current, the Gabby Petito story, I was just down there for ABC for a week and uh, just knowing the reality of you know her fate was, was kind of tough. Uh, and what makes it tough is because we're doing a job and you're laughing and sometimes you forget like, man, this is really a sad story. And, right. Uh, you but know, you have so many hours in a day. You yeah, can't be just yeah, the whole exactly. time you know, moping yeah, around. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and going back to my news days, yeah. I remember the, the, the sad story. I came back from shooting, I say shooting videotaping. You yes, gotta watch, yeah, you gotta yeah. watch her use those words. Sometimes. I know, no, we know. Uh, uh, David Letterman's uh, mother had a book signing and I came back and they said, what are you doing the, re- the next few days ago? What do you need plane crashed down to Miami. It was the value jet crash. And we went down there and, uh, you know, obviously everybody died from the crash and it was in the Everglades and we're doing live shots and working. And it really hit me. I was a satellite truck operator and Bill McGinty, who's a reporter. And, uh, it, it really hit me that, you know, we're going to leave here. You're turning your timesheets, your overtime. This is around Christmas. And these people are going to live with this for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And it makes it tough. And one, one very interesting story. And I want to give Bill McGinty props is, you know, when you're in news, I, I have a, I have a saying, I take my job very serious, but I have a saying it's just television. And this is a great case where this gentleman had showed up and I was editing for the five o'clock newscast. Uh, and this gentleman came up and came in the, the satellite truck with Bill and Bill looked at me and, and the satellite truck operator says, this is a, a gentleman. His daughter had died in the crash. He was trying to get answers. Now, as a photographer, I'm thinking, do we need to get the camera to interview this guy? Right. No, Bill didn't want to have any. He said, you need to stay in here. If you're out there, you're going to have 20 cameras in your face. I will try to find out information for you. And that really hit home that, you know, it is just television. This guy just he just wanted answers. He didn't want to put a camera in this guy's face. He's grieving. His daughter died. So uh, when you cover those, I'm getting kind of chills. I was about the it. same thing, yeah, George. It, 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 I really admired the reporter for not trying yes. to roll up the sleeves and give me a soundbite. That's it's like, rare it's not, in it's this It's not business. that important. It's not that important. Uh, one time I had to cover a funeral, uh, a sad story. Two boys, uh, the, the, the windows were barred and they couldn't get out. So we were in, asked to go to, the, we were allowed to go to the funeral. And I don't want to bring your whole showdown no, on no, this no, negativity. No, no, but, no, no, it's life, but, man. But yeah, yeah. And uh, we were allowed to shoot the funeral, uh, videotape the funeral. And I'm in a Channel 10 uh, uh, news van with this, you know, the little the live truck and yeah. big van. And I go to the funeral director the, to find out where the procession's happening. And he goes, actually, the family, the, they changed their mind. And I said, good. I was happy. So as I'm leaving, I happen to just, I'm trying to, you know, it was out way out in Brandon somewhere. I'm trying to figure out where I got to go. Cause back in the days you had maps. You know? right, right, right. So I, I, I pull off to the side and I radio in and I said, uh, yeah, they don't want me to videotape the funeral. And I said, it's kind of funny cause I'm in my van. I'm, I was right next to where it was. I was just outside the property on a frontage road, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And right there was the thing. And she goes, the, the person on the desk goes, can you get a shot of it? And I said, I can, but I'm not going to. I'm in a 10 news vehicle. I just was asked not to videotape it. So I said, I need to call you. And I was pretty new in the business then. And I said, I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's very shady to me. And uh, I talked to other photographers in the business that I respected. And they said, you made the right call. Good for you. Yeah, It's one of those. It's like, what am I going to do? Get a shot. And that's not worth it. It's not worth it to me. These people, that's their life. So we get a video of a funeral. It it doesn't matter. Let them 
they 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 want to live on in peace and just just move on and go to the next video. I'm glad assignment. you did that, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because then we get th- then that gives media a bad name too. Like people right. think everybody's like that, and once the you know, I, I call guns blazing, knocking on the door with the light on, and like, no, yeah, let's see yeah. if they want to talk, and then get the interview, which just happened with the uh, the uh, Patino case. We got the sister of uh, of uh, Brian Lowry, uh, but we didn't go up with the camera on. Uh-huh. The producer did a phenomenal job. Yes, uh-huh. if she wouldn't mind talking. Eventually, she agreed, and we got a you know good interview from the family's perspective. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know that that's how I like to approach things as far as the news stuff. Goes. Yes, yes, yes. And again, yes, not to yes. be all negative. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're no, talking no. about me getting yelled Mostly at by, news, by the Saints the coach is. and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah, know yeah. some of the, the death, but death and destruction. But uh, it, it what gets tough is. When I was in sports, mm-hmm. I knew when the Gators played. I knew when the Bucks played. I knew when Dun- Dungey had his press conference. Right. You didn't know when this, the, the tragic event was going to happen. Right. And that gets uh, right. That gets tough. And I have some others, but I don't know if you want to keep going down that. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, yeah. Sad we, road. We, no, I mean, we got time for another story or two. If there's anything else that you can think, you've had so many experiences, good and. And bad, George. Uh, well, I do. I do have a funny one for uh, you. Uh, please, please, please. <laughs> you you kind of had mentioned about like you know the career and right. peaking. I wasn't freelancing yet. I was still at the WTSP. I was a sports photographer. And here's where I knew. Here's where I knew I made it, Rock. Uh, <laughs> as you know, the Bucks were moved to the new stadium at Ray J, but they were still, they didn't have their new state of the art locker room that they do now. They have the old, they have the old one. I think USF now, the university of South Florida, actually it's their locker room. Warren Sapp, if you remember, as soon as you walked in, he was right, right there. Oh, and it was always tight because people are trying to walk in and out of locker room. So there I am. I kneel down and I'm, I'm in a great position right in front of Warren. Well, Warren is a big dude full of grass and dirt and sweat and smell, walks in in a towel, sits down in front of me and puts a towel on the floor in which he would spit chew into. Yes, he did. So there I am yes, he did. <laughs> saying to myself, don't look down, don't look, <laughs> don't look down, don't look down. And he's spitting chew into the towel. And I'm like, well, I, I got a great shot. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just grin and bear it. But I'm like, that's when I knew I made it. I got Warren Sapp spit and chew right by my knees. And he wasn't being wrong, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just comical that that was, you know, there was a lot going on right there with the sweat and, and Warren just wearing a towel. He so. always would do with the chew right there. The new ones yeah. that would come in, they wouldn't know it. I don't even know, George, if we'll ever get back inside locker rooms. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they they would prefer it not. To be like yeah. that. I always thought the locker room situation was strange. It is weird. You yeah. know, guys are showering, but they're pros. They want to get out. They, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, what well do you think? You, we had mentioned about the, the equipment where you can have these live views. And I know when the lightning, they didn't make it to the Stanley Cup. I think it was when they were playing the Capitals in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. The local affiliate here was going in there live. And it's like, that can be really I risky. I remember that. You turned the wrong the way. New, yeah. They were new. And I yeah. remember and they, they were, were, back. They were they're, doing they're, the they're post, live right now. They were doing post live and you got to watch you turn the wrong way and, and you see you're something. seeing something you shouldn't see. So I'm hoping it gets back to the locker room. Uh, I know it can be a little nutty. Um, the problem now, I think with that, like you said, rock is the teams like it. Yeah. They can kind of control the narrative though, of who they're going to present, uh, which everybody's kind of getting the same responses. That's the thing that I think is going to get lost in the shuffle. But the, the problem with going in the locker room is 
there's so many outlets now. And, yeah. and no, no oh, offense, no, but no. you know, podcasts oh, no. and, and blogs and Website all this. blogs, like, I know. You no, I know. I'm like, who is this guy? Who are you even with? You got oh, an right. iPhone. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, toot my, uh, pump my chest here, but when you're with a national network and a guy's got a better shot than you for his five viewers, you're like, this, this isn't right. Come on. For his <laughs> Facebook. And again, Instagram. I'm not trying to toot my own. I worked in local. <laughs> I totally respect all those guys. Love yeah, those yeah, guys. Yeah, Some yeah. of the best photographers I know. But sometimes you're like, come on, get out, get out of the way. You, I mean, come on. I got to get it. Some people are not aware and it's all about them. That yeah. drives me crazy. I go home to Emily and tell you, I can't believe this today. Yeah. In closing, is there any, I don't I usually, I don't know if you have another story or two, that would be good. And mm-hmm. if not advice, it can be cause you've made it yeah. really to the top. You're still there. You're balancing your family with your job. You're able to do it. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to get in the business. Even if you're not in this business, is there yeah. any overriding thing that you have, George, that you've learned? To yeah. Be- you actually brought, you brought up family that can be challenging. Um, because you might have plans and then the carrot gets dangled to go somewhere to make money. And it's like, that's, you gotta go. So luckily I have a wife that understands, uh, and my parents that understand, cause sometimes they would have to watch my son while I go out of town and all that. Um, but my biggest thing, uh, and I got to give props to my father because he was a sheet metal mechanic in Philadelphia. Didn't really like his job. That's what he knew. He was good at it. And he put food on the table. And I swore I would never do a job I didn't love. And that's what drove me to get in this field and to continue because I love what I do. Uh, is it, is it, does it stink sometimes when you're standing outside a house working for somebody to come out on a breaking news story all day? Yeah. Does it stink when you got to drive across the state if you're tired and you get to the hotel at 1230 and you got a five o'clock crew call? Yeah. But I love what I do. And my advice to people be, just do something you love and, and it doesn't have to be in this field. Uh, and there's different areas in this field. Uh, you know, people will say, why don't you do commercials work? Why don't you do this? Well, there's doctors for the feet. There's doctors that just do the optometrist for the eyes. So there's all different realms of this. You're on air. Some people like to run the high home camera for a raise game. That's what they like to do. So I just like being out in the field doing things, seeing different, going places. I, I, I love that. I really, I really do. And I love being around, you know, people like yourself and that have the passion as well and being around sports. It's kind of cool. You know, when you're, you're, the, you're at the all-star right. game, you're like, this is kind of neat. You know, I'm, I'm at the all-star game, you know, I'm not, you know, tarring roofs in Florida, which to me would be a tough job. You know, that, that's a, that's a real job. What I do, that's I just hold the camera and yeah. So, so I, I would just say, love what you do. George Albright. I can't thank you enough, man, man. Thanks for having me, Rock. It's been fun. Been fun. Thank you, George. One of the one of the uh, one thing that I took out of that, well, I took a lot of things out of that, but I see what he does and other photographers and crews behind the scenes. He's a Sherpa. There's a lot of schlepping, <laughs> a lot of gear, a lot of gear, and he's got the best gear, and that's why he is called to work the biggest stories and events. Uh, but what he had to say was that it's not all. It's great. It's great. He loves what he does. I love what I do. And it's funny when you cover like a Super Bowl. Majority of the time he's sitting in a in a in the bowels of the stadium with other uh photographers, uh, maybe a producer, and you're watching on a monitor and probably sitting at a cardboard uh table and chairs or you know, a folding chair. 
And that's how you're watching the Super Bowl. A lot of times, you know, oh, you're at the Super Bowl. Oh, my God, what was it like? Oh, it was great. It was great. Really, I was watching, you know, smaller monitor up high away, not like you are in your couch. But it was very, very interesting. So I thank you, George. I thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. What do we got cooking right now? Now we got baseball playoffs. Now, now, even if you're just like casual, maybe casual baseball fan, every pitch matters. And the further you go, I love it when the fans are on there uh, standing up, you know, uh, even for every pitch. And it's kind of cold, you know, we got the cooler, cold weather now, the fall, the fall, fall classic. So enjoy your baseball playoffs in here in Florida and the Tampa Bay Rays. It just, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling what they're able to do with a small payroll. It's incredible, man. So consistent. I thought it was just Joe Madden. Well, he started it and Andrew Friedman and, and Matt Silverman. And then, you know, Joe leaves and Friedman goes on to the LA Dodgers and, and then it just, boom, it's still, they, they have this system in place. I don't know how they do it. They find guys that, you some would call if there are veterans coming in, maybe the scrap heap, or they get rid of guys before they go downhill. They their their scouting system in you know the Dominican and in the United States and how they're able to just find these diamonds in the rough and do what the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, it's incredible. It's incredible. But anyway, anyway, if you're not from the area and <clears throat> you know, you're probably like, well, why does nobody go to the games? I was, we were t- I was talking to a producer for ESPN. He works with George. He's a legend in ESPN. He's been at ESPN for years and years and years, I think 24 years, something like that. Then he went to the Golf Channel, and then the Golf Channel was in Orlando, and he wanted to get out of the cold, and he's working there, and he's living in Orlando. And then the Golf Channel now moves to Connecticut, and he's I'm not going back north. And he was, I'm staying in Florida, but he was end up got a gig back at the Worldwide Leader. And he was like, you know, it's it's great here now. You know, I, I think he's a Boston fan, but he went to the Trop, and it's like they're playing the Red Sox. It's a meaningful game, and it's the end of the year, and these are, this is a first-place team, and there was like 6,000 fans. He's like, how, why? I said, it's just, it, 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 I can't. Yeah, the stadium's in a bad location. It's not that really Hard to get to compared to other major metropolitan areas. The Tampa Bay Lightning have sold out since 2014. It's more of an event to go to, you know. And then, of course, you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So just enjoy your fall weather and your fall sports. I know I am. And I, you know what? I really don't have much. Really. I'm, I'm plodding along. I got a pep in my step because of this time of year. I love this time of year. It's playoffs. Hockey has started, and of course, we're well into the college and the NFL season. It and it's just, I, I just, I just love it. I love it. I love Halloween. I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, if you can take the time, if you don't have to work, and you can actually be with family, and it's what you're thankful for, and it's time to just chill. Football, the Thanksgiving Day games are always on. If you have to go to someone's house, a relative, or even a family friend. And, you know, in the background, you got the tee, the football on, and it's thing. It's just a great, 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 great time of year. All right? So enjoy, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm most likely, unless, I always say this, unless something breaks, like there's something really, really big, and I run into someone, uh, you never know. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, 
he is he is another A-lister. His name is Mike Neighbors, and he has interviewed Drew Brees after every Saints game for God, is it I don't know how many years is it? Thirteen? Was it sixteen years? Something like that. He still covers the New Orleans Saints for Cox TV in the South. Uh, but he's worked, he's got a very interesting career. He worked with Sage Steele, who's at ESPN now. Uh, it was this thing called Fox Sports South. They had Fox Sports Re- Midwest, Fox Sports West, all around the country. And he and Sage worked together. He was a rinkside reporter in the NHL for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he traveled with the team. I had forgotten about that. As a matter of fact, he replaced Aaron Andrews. Aaron Andrews, that's that's a, that's a great story. You know what? Maybe I'll tell that uh, for another day for the next next week's podcast. That's what I'll do. I, I might have hit on it when I first started here. Uh, I had a little tiny instrumental part in Aaron Andrews' career. I'll tell you about that. So that's what we got next week. I went to Mike's house. We sat down in his man cave. Oh, my God. It doesn't get much better than that. So we'll do that. So I'll talk to you next week. All right. And thank you. Subscribe if you're not a subscriber. And just spread the word. Tell people. I'm trying to grow this thing. That's how you do it. We do a word of mouth. It's the Rock Stops here. Have a great week. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. When I was sitting here in the office and I see it come across Twitter that John Jones was arrested by Las Vegas, the police department, it, it wasn't surprising. And on Tuesday, we get the police report and the details. And I, the best way I can describe what I read on TMZ, Daniel, was in one word, disturbing. Yeah, yeah. You sent me the TMZ article, uh, the Yahoo article I had pulled up that cites the police report says the same thing. And, and for those, and I'm sure plenty of people know the details, but whenever this story first broke, um, what was it? Saturday, right? It was no Friday, Friday Friday. broke, right? Yeah. Yeah. When it first broke, it was, when you see the words, um, battery, domestic violence, when you see the word domestic violence, your red flags immediately come up and it's just like, any type of domestic violence is something that should seriously qual- uh, disqualify someone from competing in a sport for a long period of time or indefinitely. It's something that was a major problem in the NFL for a period of time. And, you know, it was really bad. And the consequences, I thought, were finally justified at a point in time when that uproar was there, when you saw guys kind of taken away from the league because they're these premier athletes. And if they are committing domestic violence, that's a significantly bad thing. So this John Jones thing, when we, when we see battery domestic violence, independent of his previous past, this singular event is significant enough with that name. Now we got to figure out the details and the details are coming out. And, you know, uh, the police are the, what, what they're saying essentially is that, um, there was, there was hair pulling of, of, of John Jones's fiance that they noticed blood on the women and on the bed. Um, when, when they asked her about it, she, she admitted the hair pulling, but she said it was a little bit physical, but she seemed scared to talk about Jones. It's a very complex situation. The MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, Google podcasts, and radioinfluence.com.